A wet sprint on Saturday, a dry race on Sunday, and track limits galore. There was a lot going on over the Austrian Grand Prix race weekend, and I'm here to dissect it all. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syrah, and today we are going to be talking about the Austrian Grand Prix. Now, this was a pretty busy race weekend, considering we also had a sprint race on the Saturday to contend with as well. This was the second sprint race of the season, but the first one I'm covering on this podcast because I didn't have an episode for Baku since I was on holiday. So there was a lot more information I was trying to retain this race weekend. I've got 11 pages worth of notes on my phone, so we will take our time and get through it all. Before we do get into all that though, I did want to touch upon something else because on Saturday we got the very sad and tragic news that Delano Vantoff, an 18-year-old driver driving for MP Motorsport in Fracker, passed away after an accident at Spa. I think we're all well aware that motorsport comes with a lot of risks, a lot more risks that some other sports don't necessarily carry and safety has come an extremely long way from what it was even 10 years ago but sadly tragic accidents like this still do happen and at 18 years old this was a young man with so much of his life ahead of him who was just trying to live out his dream of being a motorsport driver it is just extremely sad news to hear motorsport can be such a beautiful thing to watch we all absolutely love it it's why you're listening to this podcast it's why we carve out time on a weekend to watch why we'll stay up late for certain races to watch it it's a really beautiful sport to get into but it can also be very very tragic to watch at times when accidents like this happen hopefully motorsport organizations can start looking at ways to make spa a safer place to drive to make visibility better, runoff areas better for the drivers so we don't keep getting repeat accidents like this. But more than anything right now, my thoughts and my prayers are with his family and his loved ones. This must be a really extremely difficult time for them right now. But I did just want to touch on that before we got into the race weekend in F1. Now, there was a whole load of things going on over this race weekend. Like I mentioned, It wasn't our normal race weekend format. We also had a sprint race. And a sprint race weekend means that teams only have one free practice session to nail that setup for the entire weekend. Before we even got there, though, there was exciting news from McLaren. Now, we had heard that they had a big upgrade package coming to Silverstone, and this upgrade package should improve their car pretty dramatically. But The amazing workers at the MTC had managed to get one set of upgrades ready a rate earlier and Lando Norris was fitted with those Silverstone upgrades at Austria. And there were a lot of things that they had managed to replace on that car. Well, not replace, but upgrade on the car. They had new side pods, a new engine cover, new diffuser. I think the floor was slightly different as well, as well as a couple of other bits and bobs that were going on on the car. So it was a very dramatic package change for them. Like I mentioned, they only managed to get it done for one car and Lando currently being the lead driver in the championship got those upgrades on his car. So that was definitely some very exciting news for McLaren fans going into FP1. Now FP1 was a little bit hectic with just the amount of cars that were running on track. 
Cars wouldn't want in to spend a lot of time in the garage. They just wanted to get out, test the setup, come back in if it needed to be changed, and then head back out. Aston and Merck, I think, were looking pretty competitive in FP1. They looked very strong. The times they were coming out with were pretty good. Not necessarily as fast as what the Red Bulls were, but I think they were looking a lot better than they have been previously. Lando ended up having a limited run in FP1 with his new upgrades, which was probably a little bit gutting for McLaren. They probably wanted to gain a lot of data from that car. But he had ended up going over a curb and damaged his floor because of that. And I think McLaren basically got him back into the pits. They didn't want to aggravate the problem and cause any further damage, especially with those new upgrades. So he wasn't able to make the most out of the only practice session in the weekend. Williams were the other team that just weren't able to make the most of FP1. We were about 20 minutes into practice and had not seen Logan or Alex really out on the tyres. I think Alex had basically done one or two laps, but he just went straight back into the pit lane, so it wasn't a proper lap either. They did eventually come out with about 40 minutes left on the clock, and Williams had said they were following their run plan by doing this. I have no clue why. They ended up going on soft tyres instead of the medium or hards, so I don't know whether they were just prepping ready for quality. Just can't exactly wrap my head around why you would purposely want to miss 20 minutes of the only practice session that you have. Were you trying to save on the engine, on tyres, miss out on a bit of traffic? Were you just that confident in your car setup? I mean, if Red Bull had done something like this, I think I could understand a little bit more. They're in a very comfortable position. I think they've got a lot of confidence in that car. Williams, though, I know the new upgrades with Alex worked a lot better in Canada, but is that a risk you would really want to take? It's a strange one. I have to be honest with you guys though, I am not a fan of there only being one practice session on a sprint weekend. I know Stefano Domenicali said he would prefer not to have really any practice sessions and have more competitive sessions because he thinks it'll be more interesting for viewers. For me personally, I don't mind practice sessions. I think I've mentioned before I like watching them, I like seeing all the data from them. But even removing fans and myself from that equation... They're extremely useful to the drivers and to the engineers. The amount of information they can glean, setting up the car in that correct window, getting all the information they can from the tyres, ironing out any problems that car might have. So yes, I am really not in favour of there only being one practice session for the entire weekend, but it's what we have. And then Friday afternoon, we had qualifying and this was qualifying for the Grand Prix on Sunday. Now, I am glad that they changed this and the sprint no longer sets the grid for Sunday because that really irked me last year. So yes, we're qualifying on the Friday, ready for the Grand Prix on the Sunday. So in Q1, the Mercs looked like they were struggling a little bit on the soft tyres. Now, a lot of their running in FP1 was on hard and medium tyres. It looked like they were doing more of the long runs, looking at race pace. Both George and Lewis on the soft tyres, though, they did seem to be struggling. They weren't setting extremely good lap times in. We ended up having... Carlos, Max, Guan Yu, Valtteri and Lewis getting lap times deleted. I think there were a couple of others in that session as well. We had Valtteri spinning when he was in Q1 and causing a red flag to come out. He did manage to get the car back into the pits though, so I think the red flag was also waved. One, because they were concerned that they were going to have to get 
Valtteri's car off the track and then I think there was a bit of debris on the track that they needed to clean up. And Q1 in general was a mess, a lot of times being deleted for track limits. At one point Pierre had a lap time deleted that would have gotten him eliminated, that got reinstated so he was back in a safe zone. It was a little bit of a mess. As well as Mick struggling in Q1, we also had Aston Martin that just won't lock in like they were in their best form. It wasn't the sort of performance we've seen from them in the past couple of races. But then on the other hand, we had Ferrari who were looking much, much stronger. Canada was obviously a much better race for them and I think a lot of us were wondering if they'd be able to carry that on into Austria now and it did seem to be coming together for them. And Lando, after his limited running in free practice, also had a very, very good run in Q2. That car looked really strong and he looked like he was able to control it very, very well. Q2 was a similar sort of story to Q1, a lot of lap times being deleted. That included Max and Sergio's first fast laps. Mook's struggles continued into Q2 and George Russell got knocked out of that session. Sergio Perez also was knocked out of Q2 after he had every single fast lap deleted for track limits. He had been told by his race engineer at least twice, let's just get a banker lap in, let's get a safe lap done and dusted with but he just wasn't able to keep that car within the track limits and he got knocked out of Q2. That is now the fourth consecutive qualifying that Sergio Perez has not been able to make it into Q3. By the time we got to Q3 the 10 drivers we had left seemed to finally understand track limits and it was a lot better we weren't seeing as many lap times get deleted. Ferrari had an extremely good outing, probably their best one of this season so far, and they finished in P2 and P3, so it was consistent across both cars, a really, really good qualifying session for them. Max Verstappen obviously took pole position, but Charles Leclerc wasn't actually that far off. The McLaren Orlando Norris got into P4, the upgrades definitely, definitely working for them in quality at least. Obviously their limited running in FP1 didn't let us see a whole load of race pace, but in terms of one lap pace in quality, those updates are working for them really well. By the end of quality, we had a total of 47 lap times being deleted. That is a whole load of lap times that just got wiped off the board and a lot of the drivers were complaining about the track limits, whether it was down the radio or post quality. And it's a really difficult one because I'm curious what they would like to happen. The drivers had previously complained about there not being a lot of consistency with track limits. They were varying from circuit to circuit about what constituted staying on the track. And last year, the FIA finally came out at the beginning of the season and they said, look, If you cross over that white line, if all four wheels cross the white line, you are deemed to have gone over the track limits. And that has been the rule now since last season. So there is that sense of consistency. Now, the driver's seat is really hard to see that white line. They're sat quite low down in the car, so they're not getting the view that we see. And there's a lot going on around them in that car. When they're in that cockpit, you've got the wheel rims, you've got the halo. It's not easy to actually see outside of the car. I know a couple of them have suggested maybe widening that white line to make it a little bit easier or making it a bit more of a bump so you can almost feel when you go over it. Other than that, though, 
not entirely sure what they would like to see happen. Someone had mentioned maybe changing the track limits on this track, but I think you start losing that consistency of track limits at that point. So it is a difficult one, but I do think, yeah, maybe widening them out a little bit might help or making them have a little bit of a bump so the drivers can feel it. But that's enough about that for now. So that was Friday done, quality on Friday, and then we went into Saturday morning going into sprint qualifying. And if I'm honest with you, I was expecting generally the same sort of thing that happened to qualifying on Friday in terms of driver standings and in terms of track limits. It's what I was expecting to happen. In the sprint quality one, we had most people going out on soft tyres, which makes sense. Carlos Sainz was having some problems with the rear end of his car and had to stay in the pits for and I can't lie, I didn't think he was going to be able to make it out to even set a time. But with two minutes left on the clock, the Ferrari team did an absolutely amazing job and got him back out there. But those two minutes were going to mean he would have one shot to set a lap time good enough to get him out of SQ1. And he absolutely pulled it out of the bag. Carlos Sainz, after having a break-by-wire issue that needed to be repaired, did not only manage to get himself safely out of SQ1, but managed to set the fastest lap when he got out there. The biggest shock in SQ1, though, I think, had to be Lewis Hamilton, who ended up being eliminated after he had a lap time deleted and then was stuck in traffic when he tried to set another fast lap. At the end of SQ1, when Russell went back into the garage, though, he said he was having a hydraulics failure. So going into SQ2, Mercedes had turned around and said there was no way they would be able to fix it in time for him to go back out and to set up lap time. Now, Leclerc was a driver that seemed to be struggling a little bit more in this qualifying session compared to normal quality on the Friday. He was struggling, and in SQ1, he was on the cusp of being eliminated, and SQ2 wasn't giving him a whole load of hope either. And much to my surprise, both horses managed to get into SQ3. Now, if I was going to expect a horse to get into SQ3, I would say it would be Nico Hulkenberg. In general, he's been the one that sort of topped qualia out of the two drivers. He's made it into Q3 before. But both horses managed to get that car into SQ3. By the end of sprint quality, though, Max Verstappen had obviously taken pole position. I don't think there was any doubt about that. Checo had a much, much better quality during the sprint and got into P2. The Ferrari seemed to have taken a step backwards during sprint quality, though. They ended up in fifth and sixth place. And after quality was done, we found out that Charles Leclerc got given a three-place grid penalty for impeding Oscar Piastri. By the time we got onto the sprint race later on in the day, it had started to rain. And we had had rain forecasts for the entire weekend, and I do love a wet race. Now, everyone had opted to put on the intermediate tyres. Bar Valtteri Bottas, after the formation lap though, he did end up paying to put on the inters. I think he had tried out the mediums on the formation lap to see if it was possible because it was kind of drying up, I guess, but I don't think it was dry enough on the track to warrant a set of slick tyres. It was raining on and off, which I didn't think helped. Some parts of the track were a little bit drier, but turn six especially just looked awful with the spray coming off of the cars. I think we saw Perez starting to get really fighty and seeing a bit more of the race car driver in him during the sprint. 
him and Max got into a little bit of a tussle and honestly they were so close to just doing damage to each other's car at points my heart was in my mouth I'm really not sure how Christian Horner was feeling at that point or just the entirety of Red Bull so it was slightly worrying at times there and there were arguments and comments from both of them down the radio saying oh look Max didn't give me enough space I don't know what Sergio's doing what's wrong with him what's wrong with him it's just a lot of arguing and fighting in the end though neither of them touched neither of them damaged the car which I think Red Bull were very very pleased about but I think two and three was just a mess as both drivers were trying to go through it and that's where the complaints about oh he's not giving me enough room and he's not giving me enough room sort of came in and that kind of caused a backlog behind them especially when it's raining it makes it a little bit worse drivers are sort of tiptoeing around the track anyway at that point what it did end up meaning is that Landon Norris got bumped down to 10th place because he got caught up in that little squabble and Nico Hulkenberg managed to get past Perez and into P2. I would expect to see a Ferrari or an Aston or a Mercedes in between the two Red Bulls. At this point, I wouldn't have been surprised to see McLaren in between the two of them. What I wasn't expecting was a Haas to be there. There was some really good battles between Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc though, but Charles' car just looked so, so squirrely during the sprint race. He didn't seem like he had a really good handle on it. When you were seeing the camera from his T-cam, you could see how much he was having to move the steering wheel just to fight the car and make sure it was staying on track and that it was going where he wanted it to go, especially when he was near other drivers. So the car looked like a little bit of a handful for him. Lando though did show that this newly upgraded McLaren even in wet conditions could perform well in the race and I'm sure that was a very promising sign for everyone back at the factory and on track side. Sadly Nico Hulkenberg's P2 was not to last. He was really really struggling with his rear tyres. A lot of the drivers were but I think he was getting a lot more degradation on them and I don't know how well he was also looking after them or whether it was just a defect of the car. But he did end up being passed by both Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz, so he did lose his podium place. Post-race, though, you could see Max and Checo walk up to each other, and there were slightly serious words you could tell being said between the two of them, sort of debrief about what had happened and who hadn't given who space. But afterwards, Checo said, you know, we've talked about it, things have been cleared up. Christian Horner didn't seem too worried about it. He wants them to race hard, but clean. He just wants to make sure both cars are coming home and they're not opening doors for other teams to sort of overtake either of the cars. Overall, I don't think this sprint race would have been as interesting had it not have rained. I'm still on the fence about sprint races in general. I know it's meant to be a shorter race, but it just almost feels a little bit pointless i think you need to do something like reverse the grid like they do in f2 and f3 to make it a bit more interesting especially with the dominance that red bull has right now which means that the front of the race for p1 you can already predict anyway so i think a reverse grid would make it just a little bit more interesting i know some people aren't a fan of reverse grids they don't see the point in them but i think it could just add a little bit more to the sprint race but that was all done and dusted with on Saturday. Max ended up taking P1. Sergio got onto the podium with P2. And Carlos Sainz was in P3. So that Ferrari was looking a lot better than it has in a good couple of races. And kind of showing the pace and the strengths that it had in Canada. Let's 
run through what happened in the race and then I'll give you my thoughts on a couple of the teams. So before the race even started, we had Nick DeVries and Kevin Magnussen starting from the pit lane. They had changed, I think, suspension and certain parts of their setup, which were outside the rules of Park Fume, and so they had a pit lane start. We had a first lap incident straight away. Yuki Sonoda had broken his front wing and a safety car had come out. He had ended up in the gravel, but managed to keep the car going and get into the pits and get everything repaired and a new set of tyres on. And then all the fun with the track limits started. It was fairly early on that Lewis Hamilton got a black and white flag for track limits. He'd had a really, really good start to the race, a really good launch. Had gotten past Landon Norris pretty much straight away. But it didn't take long for issues to start coming up and him hit track limits. Now, he isn't a driver you tend to expect to exceed track limits all the time. But we heard that he was having issues with the brakes and he was also saying that the car was feeling quite slow. So I think part of the reason that he was getting those track limit violations was because he wasn't able to brake the way he necessarily wanted to. Nico Hülkenberg on lap 14 then had a smoking car pulled out into a runoff area and had to retire from the race. I got an end to the weekend for him considering that Quali had been going quite well for him as well as the sprint and I'm sure he was just looking forward to being able to race at the actual Grand Prix and hopefully maybe pick up one or two points for Haas but it just wasn't meant to be. That did cause a VSC to come out and we had a lot of the cars come into the pits during that period because they were in that pit window for the medium tyres. During this VSC though, Ferrari opted to double stack their cars, which was a really interesting move considering that they were running in two and three and there wasn't this massive gap between them. I didn't think it was a big enough gap to warrant double stacking the cars and it wasn't. Charles ended up having a pretty slow stop, they were struggling getting one of the tyres on. That ended up stopping Carlos a little bit earlier, so he was just waiting around on the pits, and Carlos really was at a disadvantage after this. Both of those pit stops ended up being over four seconds long, and while Charles was still able to get out into P2 again, Carlos lost, I think, a minimum of three places because of that slow stop, which was absolutely gutting for him. He was down the radio later on saying to the team, why did you stop me? There really wasn't a need. I think when your cars are that close together and you want to pit, just pit one of them, let the other just run a little bit longer because you just made him have to work a little bit harder in overtaking cars to get back to where he was. VSC ended though and then we had a slew of penalties. So it started off with Lewis getting a five second penalty for track limits, then Yuki Sonoda got a five second penalty for track limits. And you know what, while we're here... Let me just go through all of the track limits that we had because there were a lot. So yes, Lewis and Yuki Esteban Ocon got a 5 second time penalty for an unsafe release. Carlos Sainz then had a 5 second time penalty for track limit. Alex Albon had the same. Nick DeVries then had a 5 second time penalty for forcing another driver off the track and we'll get back to that later. Pierre Gasly had a 5 second time penalty for track limits. Yuki Tsunoda then went over track limits so many times that he got given a 10 second time penalty. Logan Sargent got given a 5 second time penalty for track limits. Same with Kevin Magnussen. You can tell the story of the Austrian Grand Prix, right? It was a tale of penalties and track limits. And look, these aren't amateur drivers. 
these are drivers that know what they're doing. So I do get the driver's points when they're saying that something does need to be done because this isn't necessarily a problem on other tracks. Yes, we have some of them have black and white flags and things like that. And you do get the odd five second time penalty. But it was very, very consistent in Austria. Whether that's because one practice session just wasn't enough for them to get a good feeling for the track, whether it's because the white line needs to be bigger. I do think there is something that needs to be done about it because I think the FIA ended up saying there were at least a hundred track limit violations and lap times that had to be deleted during the Grand Prix. Going back to where we were in the actual race though, Yuki Tsunoda was making pretty good time and really good overtakes after having to go into the pits really early because of his incident. And look, I feel like I've said this the entire year. 2023 has felt like this season where Yuki Tsunoda has really come into his own. His confidence has grown in himself, in the car. Franz Tost is so happy with the progress he's made and is really happy with the results he's producing. He feels like he's stepped into a more of a leadership role in AlphaTauri. I just think he's doing a really amazing job there. We had some really good fights between Magnussen, Albin and Gasly, but... Once again, with Haas, Kevin Magnussen seemed to be dropping behind in that fight a little bit. I think they're still facing that issue where on a quality day, great one lap pace is really, really good for them. But on a race day, it does just fall away from them. And it is something that I know Nico Hulkenberg has said that are aware of and they are trying to look into and figure out. But you hope it's a quick fix for them or that they figure it out soon because it does let them down when you qualify that well and then you're losing that many spaces it's not doing you guys justice so hopefully they do figure that out and we see them in the mix for points a little bit more. Signs after losing those places in that double stack was also very quick to make up places. Once again Ferrari's race pace looking a lot stronger, a lot more consistent. They weren't struggling, they weren't falling behind, they were actually moving forward. So the five second time penalty that Nick DeVries ended up having for forcing another driver off the track was between him and Kevin Magnussen. Kevin literally just went through a runoff area through the gravel and I think it was fairly clear to see that Nick DeVries did not give him a car's width width of space when he was trying to overtake him so I think that's a fair enough penalty to have there. Now, Sergio Perez was starting outside of the top 10 for this race, as he has done in the past three races. And considering his results in those past three races, I wasn't expecting a whole load from him this weekend. But he managed to make the car work for him this weekend, and it worked really, really well. It didn't take him a whole load of time to work his way up to the front to get into the top 10 and then get into the top and he managed to overtake Carlos Sainz to get into P3 and it was a hard-fought battle between both of those drivers. Carlos wasn't letting P3 go easily, it was a really difficult battle for the two of them and really fun to watch as well but Checo managed to get the manager Carlos did overtake him and claim P3. Max Verstappen obviously went on to win the race but he didn't lead every lap at the Austrian Grand Prix. By the time he pitted, he didn't actually have enough of a buffer to come out still in P1. Charles Leclerc did manage to actually take P1 and the race lead while Max pitted, led a lap which meant that he had broken Max's consecutive lap record. Now I think Max needed to get to lap 41 of the Austrian Grand Prix to equal Senna's record of the amount of consecutive laps led, but because of that pit stop it didn't happen and it has been a very long time since Max Verstappen has not led 
every single lap of a race. I don't think that particularly mattered to him though because he still came away with a win and towards the end of the race, lap 69 I believe, he had a 23 second lead, asked to be pitted so he could get on a new set of soft tyres and set the fastest lap to take home a maximum haul of points this weekend and he pulled it off. Charles Leclerc ended up finishing behind him and Sergio Perez finally ended up back on the podium at Red Bull's home race. I think it's only fair then as we start looking through the teams to start with Red Bull who had a flawless weekend on Max's half. Like I said, maximum haul of points. There's no stopping him right now. They're really not putting a foot wrong with him and his side of the garage. It's just working really well together. Checo then definitely had a much, much better weekend. He was off sick on Thursday as well. He had a bit of a bug. So he missed media day, came in on Friday. And even though quality didn't go well for him, from Saturday onwards, it was a much better weekend for him. I think the question for him is, can he continue to keep this up? Fernando Alonso is literally biting at his heels for P2 in the Drivers' Championship. It's not something Fernando is going to want to let go anytime soon. And Lewis Hamilton isn't far behind Fernando Alonso after that. Ferrari are the other team, I think, that really deserve to be spoken about here. They were coming in with a couple of upgrades to Austria. They had upgrades in Canada. And Carlos had said the car for both of the drivers felt more like what they had last year. It was a bit more predictable. It was easier to drive. It was doing what they wanted to do. And you could really tell that from this weekend. Definitely their strongest performance of the season so far across both of the drivers. I think it's really building their confidence back in the car now. And that's just going to keep building. As long as the car keeps behaving the way that they're expecting, that confidence will keep building in the car and they'll feel like they can throw it around the track where they want without worrying what's going to happen, where's it going to go. And I think we're just going to see more and more lap time and race pace extracted from it at that point. So definitely a much, much stronger weekend for Ferrari. And I know they're going to be happy going back to Maranello with those results now. And I'm sure they're going to continue to build on what they have. McLaren, much, much better weekend for them, at least on Lando's side. Lando ended up in P5. Absolutely amazing, considering that they have struggled in this first part of the season. It has been painful to watch for McLaren. Oscar Piastri, I'm really not sure what happened with him, but he did not have a great race. And I know he didn't have the same upgrades that Lando did. He didn't have any upgrades at all, but he was down at the bottom of the field so I'm not entirely sure what happened there whether it was a strategy issue bad race start but it just wasn't a great race for him he wasn't able to sort of make his way up the field the way he probably would have wanted to but I think he's probably going to have hope considering what Lando was able to do with those upgrades that Silverstone will be a lot better for him so it'll be interesting to see how he manages to understand them and get on top of them and if he's able to make those same sort of inroads with the rest of the teams and the top teams that Lando's been able to make. On the flip side though, Aston Martin and Mercedes have had a difficult weekend. Aston Martin I think less so than Mercedes. It wasn't their strongest race though. Fernando Alonso did not end up on a podium and it's one of very few times he hasn't ended up on a podium. I'm not entirely sure what happened. I don't know whether it was a setup issue or whether the car just isn't particularly suited to Austria right now but definitely wasn't their strongest performance there was a bit more of a struggle with the cars I think the poor quality didn't end up helping them in the race 
Not as bad as Mercedes, though. It was a really, really disappointing show from Mercedes. Monaco with the new upgrades had been okay for them. Canada had been even better. Barcelona was great. And they had come in to Austria saying that this should be better than Canada. Canada, they said, probably wasn't going to be great for them. And it was a good race, to be fair. But they said Austria, they should be stronger. Silverstone should be a really, really good race for them. But Austria didn't pan out that way. They were struggling, both George and Lewis. Now, like I said, Lewis did have problems with the brakes. And he just got on the radio later saying this car is just really slow. And Toto did have to come back and say, look, we know the car is bad. Please just drive it. So there is still a lot of learning to be done to that Mercedes car. Now, I'm not sure whether that's just because they still don't have the greatest understanding of these upgrades. And I know they said they've learned a lot more. They've got new upgrades coming in Silverstone. But I think there is going to be a bit of concern from Mercedes fans as to whether the Merck engineers fully understand what this package does. Because that's the issue they had at the start of this season and with the W13 is that they didn't fully understand what the car was doing and how it was going to react. What we don't need is for them to be going back to that place where they're not entirely sure what's going to happen with it. Now, Toto has said there is a significant upgrade package coming to Silverstone, and that would be their last big, big upgrade package for the season. I'm not entirely sure what to think about that package right now, considering they thought Kanda was going to be bad or not as great, and Austria was meant to be really good, and the opposite seemed to be happening. I'm not entirely sure what to think about Silverstone or their upgrades. I'm trying not to think about it at all. But it is going to be interesting to see what learnings they get from the data now and why that car just didn't seem to be performing the way they were expecting it to at Austria. Disappointing out in for them though and you could sense the frustration especially with Lewis. I think we heard a lot more of his radios this race than we did with George but he definitely was not happy with that car. Williams in general seemed to have a bit of a communication issue. Alex Albon was not happy with his race engineer. Obviously, he had a track limit violation on the five-second time penalty that went along with it because he was doing it way too many times. And after he was told about that, he did have a bit of a go to his race engineer just saying, look, you need to tell me when I'm going over track limits. If you told me beforehand, I could try and do something to stop it from happening. So a bit of a communication issue there between the two of them potentially a penalty that could have been avoided. Logan Sargent as well actually wasn't having too much of a bad race up until he got that time penalty. I don't think he was running too bad. There was a little bit of time where he was running in the points, whether that was for pit stops or whatever. It probably did feel quite nice still to be in that points pitting position for a little bit. Did drop down when he had to go and pit himself, but that five second time penalty obviously is a little bit gutting to end up having to serve as well. Other than that, though, I think all the other teams are kind of going about the way they normally do. There was nothing extremely wow or really, really disappointing. But I think the standout team in general for me right now has to be Ferrari. It's getting better for them, it feels. And I'm not trying to get my hopes too high with Ferrari right now. But the trajectory from Canada to here does seem a little bit better. They seem to be pulling themselves together a little bit. The driver's are saying that they're more comfortable and confident in the car, which is always a good sign to see. So hopefully they will just continue on this trajectory. Now, in the middle of recording this podcast, I had a Twitter notification to say that Aston Martin have protested the race results and it looks like they're protesting them because of track limits. They think there are a number of cars that breach track limits 
that weren't noted and weren't given a time penalty for. So they have gone to protest that. I think the FA are currently looking into it, but we haven't had any news on what's going to happen there yet. But keep an eye out on my socials, stewards underscore office on Instagram and TikTok to see what all the news is on that. Now, you guys both did for Lando Norris as your driver of the day, and he had an absolutely stellar race. There is no doubt about it. He had some really good, clean battles on track. Finished in P5, so a really nice haul of points for both him and McLaren. So that's who you guys voted for. But, and I haven't done this for a little while, I am going to disagree with you on your driver of the day. Not because I don't think Lando Norris doesn't deserve it. I do think he had a really, really good race. But I think I'm going to give it to Sergio Perez. He had a lot of overtakes to make, really pulled it together. I think it it's just been a difficult couple of races for him and to keep your head up, want to keep fighting, because that can be difficult sometimes, but to want to keep fighting, move forward and get that podium after having a couple of really tough, hard races. And especially with what the media says about you, it can be hard to block out. I think it was a really, really good race for him and he really did deserve P3. So my driver of the day is Sergio Perez, but I do think Lando Norris also had an absolutely amazing race. We have the British Grand Prix coming up next week, and I am so excited. Obviously, a home race for all the British fans, for George, for Lando, for Lewis Hamilton. There's always a lot of pomp and circumstance that comes with the British Grand Prix, so I am excited to see what happens there. We've got Oscar coming in with those new McLaren updates as well. Mercedes, as I mentioned, with a significant or their last significant package of upgrades. We have a number of teams celebrating a home race here as well. Do I think we know who's going to win the race? Yes, but I think everything from P2 downwards, you just can't tell where the cars are going to end up at the moment. The development race is well and truly on upgrades are coming so so quickly and it is changing the order pretty much every race at this point so make sure you come back next tuesday where we will be going through everything that happened at the british grand prix and i am very thankful we are in for a normal race weekend there will be no sprint race next week thank you guys so much for listening and dielchen bar and make sure you follow me on instagram and tiktok i'm at stewards underscore office on there I post a load of F1 content, F1 news and facts, so go check that out and I will see you guys next time you're summoned to the steward's office.